metaphor into the world that's a picture of our spiritual journey. That when you think about the perfection of who Christ is, and you look at, a, at, the, at the, the present condition of your own character, right? That's a long journey between who we are and who Jesus is. And discipleship is, is about going on that journey. Discipleship is about moving ever closer to who Christ has called us to be by the standard of His own character. So we're talking about how do I travel? And again, we got into that some last week. And so uh, I, I want to insert into this week too just some comments about, about why this series is so important to us. So if you're visiting, I'm just going to encourage you to go into the podcast, catch up with us, listen to some of these. Again, they started in December, the Heart of the Magi here at the Newport News campus. Th- this series is, is important to us. And, 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 and let me just set that up a little bit. When, when, when you get to a certain book of the Bible, all right, how about a little bit of quiz? Who are our Bible scholars? I'm going to read you seven cities, and you tell me where, the, where you find these. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia. Some of you think, how did Philadelphia get on that list, right? That's the ancient city of Philadelphia, although the modern one is better because we have Rocky and Philly steak and cheese. Just saying. All right. And Laodicea. Where does that come from? Anybody? Yeah, it comes out of Revelation, right? It comes out of Revelation because John is on the island of Patmos. He's been in prison for preaching the gospel, and an angel comes to him, right? Shows up in his, in his day, just like what we prayed about, what God did for some of you tonight as husbands and fathers. And, and, and an angel shows up and says, hey, I want to show you some things about things to come. And, and But before they did that, God gave John seven messages for seven churches. Now, the reason why he picked John is because John was the bishop over these seven churches. All seven of these cities are in modern-day Turkey, and John is on the island of Patmos. That's probably why they picked Patmos to imprison him, because he lived in that region, and he was, he was pastoring in that region. He was overseeing, actually, the pastors of that region, and he's the bishop over all seven of these churches. So it makes sense that God picks him and says, hey, I want to tell you some things that you need to write down, and then you need to communicate these to these seven churches that I've put under your care. Now, there's lots of different things for each church that varies, and that's another sermon series for another time, but one of them that is the same for all seven is this phrase. Listen to this phrase. All seven messages end with this, or pretty close to the end. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Now that phrase appears in all seven of the messages. Why is that there? It's there to remind us that every church has been tasked with a message that they're supposed to bring to their region. Are you with me? Every one of those churches, even though what they were called to do looked a little bit different, it was all the same in the sense that together they brought something of wholeness to the message of the gospel. The city life, we, we have a message that God has asked us to bring to this region. And if God were to ever write another letter to churches, let's say he picks seven churches to write a letter like that to here in the 757, I want our message to be really short. I want our message to be, hey, you guys are doing a great job. Just keep it up, right? That's what I want our message to say. And, and the only way that's going to be our message is if we keep doing series like the Heart of the Magi, like what we're doing. Because the message that we believe that God has given to us, which we're going to talk more about in our Welcome Weekend in February, is this idea of heaven now, heaven forever. And that the only way you're going to experience the now of heaven is if you're willing to do the heavy lifting of transformation that God wants to do in your life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those three things are important. It's the what I do, it's the what I believe, and it's the what I have. 
And if you want to have a greater measure of the life of Christ, then we've got to have a greater measure of the doing and the believing. We've got to be willing to become like the person that Jesus is, and we've got to be willing to believe the things that he believes and let that be the standard of truth in our life. And the degree to which I do those things will increase the experience of life that I have. God doesn't want you to have a monastic existence. Right? It doesn't mean that life's not hard sometimes. We're not saying that. We know that life is hard sometimes. But even in the hard seasons, there should be something inside of you that transcends that, that says, come on, I'm so full of the life of Christ in my life. That's a message that God has given to us as a church. And so when I think about this series, last week, Sally, I don't know if Sally's in here or if she's working in. Is Sally in here? She's in Kid Life tonight. She, she posted something. It was out of, you know how sometimes Facebook will pull a memory right from, your, from that day last year? And one of her memories was a quote that she posted from a message from a service. And, 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 uh, and so, you, you, and you learn a little bit about your life by what Facebook is reminding you about from last year. You're tracking with me? All right. So, so Sally, you made this comment. She said, because we talked about last week about God is going to judge us not based on our greatest moment and our worst moment. He's going to judge us based on what characterizes us. And, 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 and so uh, Sally said that, that, that Pastor Fred thought that was so good that, that he had to say it again this year. And I thought, come on, I love Sally for posting that. I love Sally for posting that because that's part of who we are as a church. We're going to keep bringing you this message over and over and over and over and over again because God wants us to travel farther down this road of transformation. And so we're going to keep challenging you to change. We're going to challenge ourselves to change. And so part of tonight is talking about some practical things that need to change if we're going to move forward. If we don't get through all of them tonight, then I'll finish it up with a blog this week, and then we'll post that on our website. Last week's service, we ended with talking about this idea of there are some things that are broken in your life, you will get stuck in your journey of transformation. Meaning that even if you're doing all the right things, it'll feel like you're spinning your wheels. You with me? You ever been in a situation where you're stuck in a car in the snow or the mud, and, and, and if you can do everything right, but if those wheels aren't getting traction, you're going to stay right where you are. And last year, we introduced what we call seven virtue blockers that I want to come back and teach at least once a year, that, that you've got to deal with these things in your life. And if you don't deal with these areas of brokenness in your life, you will stay stuck. You you won't experience the kind of transformation that God wants you to experience. So the first one is this. If your life is fallowed, it's, it's a biblical term. It's an agricultural term. It's F-A-L-L-O-W-E-D, F-A-L-L-O-W-E-D. It's when my life is pathway deficient. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about pathways next week, but let me read you this verse out of Hosea. 10, 12 says, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your heart. It's this idea of a fallow ground of your heart. It's, it's, it's soil that's hard and compacted and, and you can't plant anything. Nothing will grow there. God's saying you've got to plow that hard ground up. It's a time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. The way that you begin to turn up the fallow ground of your heart is through what we have, what we call 12 pathways. It's, it's, I'm not going to tell them all to you, but there's 12. We're going to get into them next week, but there's, it's, it's what people call spiritual disciplines. We call them pathways because they take you somewhere. Come on on this journey of transformation. Things like reading the Bible and prayer and going to life groups, what we call relationships, showing up at church, gathering. There's 12 of them. And what we've begun to do is, is we're helping people measure these pathways in their life through a rating system. 
And, and, and next week, you're going to get a handout that talks about our discipleship model. We're going to work through that together. But, but there's a simple rating system that you can do for these 12 pathways, and you can either rate them red or yellow or green. And it's a powerful thing to write all 12 of them, all 12 of them down, right? I know some of you, we've just done this with you recently. You write all 12 of them down and put three columns down. And if you're not doing it all, then you put an X where there's red. If you're doing them some, but you know you're not doing them as much as you should, that's yellow. And if and if they're, if they're consistently present in your life, that's green. And when you look at that list, we say, hey, just make a couple of red yellow and a couple of yellows green and do that for the rest of your life. And before you know it, they'll all be green. You, there are practical things that you and I have to do. That's why this verse in Hosea says, God's saying, I'm going to do some things that only I can do, but there's some things that you've got to do. That's why he says, you've got to turn that soil over in your heart. The next one is this. I call it being unlearned unlearn. When I need to know more of what's expected. Let me read this verse out of 2 Timothy 2.15. Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive His approval, right? We don't earn our way into heaven. Don't, don't misunderstand us, right? We've been talking about this in the whole series. That's based on the grace of God, right? That, that's, that's based on a vow of devotion to Christ. But, but once we make that vow of devotion to Christ, the hard work of discipleship begins, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and listen to this last part, and who correctly explains the word of truth. Let me share this thought with you. Ignorance is a poor excuse when you had every opportunity. Ignorance is a poor excuse when you had every opportunity. If you're here in, in this room right now, you have every opportunity to learn about God's word. You do. All the online things that are available to you, your, 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 your smartphone will read you the Bible. Are you, come on. I've been using that on my way to work, just hit and play, right? It's, our world is, it's so easy to read God's Word nowadays. So many modern, when I, like when I was coming along, like I have a King James Bible when I was a kid. I'm like, I have no idea what this means, right? It's preparing me for marriage. I don't know what this means. I'm so confused. New Living Translation. I know when I first made a vow of devotion to Christ, I got something called the book. Like, that can't be your study Bible, but you can learn a lot about the major themes. What's called the meta narratives of Scripture by reading like the Message Bible or the book. There's no reason why we should not immerse ourselves in God's Word. Podcasts that are available, books that you can read. Come on, it's all out there. Number three, personality. I made that word up. Instead of personality with a Y, you put an I-E-D on the end of it. Personality, what does that mean? When temperament is unrestrained. When temperament is unrestrained. Romans 13, 14. Instead, clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Too many times we read verses like that and we think of evil desires as these terrible, immoral things that, that, that we know we should not do. And that's certainly a part of evil desire. But an equal part of evil desire is certain aspects of our personality that remain untempered. Right? An evil desire is an appetite of your personality. If you have a controlling personality, right? God might have given that to you because you're called to leadership and you're supposed to be in charge. But if that it becomes unchecked, it becomes an evil desire because it's about now feeding your ego and controlling people. You with me? 
It might be that there's a, an, an aggressiveness to who you are, so you can accomplish things in this world. But if you're leaving a wake of pain and suffering in everybody else's life, right? you can't say, this is how God made me. He did not make you to hurt. He made you to heal. Now, the other side of that, right, which is what people forget, because I think we understand the, 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 the over-exaggerated personality that's, that's, that's doing things, it's equally true of passivity. You might say, well, I'm shy. That cannot be our excuse for not telling people about Jesus. We, we, we might say, well, I'm private. We cannot use that as an excuse to live a life of isolation. Right? We, we might say that, 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 that maybe the, this, 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 this idea of, of going on a mission trip, I, I'm not really a, a, a risk taker. We, we can't use our personality, right? Those are evil desires too. If it causes you to withdraw out of something that God wants you to engage in. We've got to let our personalities be the gifts that they are that God has given to us, but they cannot become the excuse that we use to not engage in the way that God wants us to engage and have a balanced life. The next one is I call self-directed. Self-directed. Galatians 5.17, the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Talking about the Spirit of God living inside of us, which happens when we make a vow of devotion to Christ. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. That last phrase means that if you give into it, right, you're not free. It doesn't mean that you're held captive to your, your humanity. If you go under, read in Romans chapter 8, it talks about the freedom that we now have, that we can be victorious in Christ. This, this idea of, of, of being self-directed is when rebellion wins. We like to talk about something that we call self-dominion or self-governance, right? which is very different from being self-directed. I want to be God-directed in my life. I want to be God-directed in who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to accomplish. And, and as I begin to understand how God wants to direct me, I'm responsible for myself. I have to be willing to, to practice something called self-governance or self-dominion, meaning that when there is this struggle and pull inside of me, I have to say, I'm not going to be a victim to my humanity. I have to engage my will to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is asking me to do in that moment. So many Christians, right, they, they, they live their life as if they're being victimized by temptation and by their human nature. I want to be, be God-directed in the sense that who does He want me to be? What does He want me to do? Where does He want me to go? How does He want me to live? And as, he, as I begin to understand those things, I begin to say, I'm going to have some sense of self-control. In fact, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? One of the fruits of the Spirit. We, we cannot use our humanity and temptation as an excuse. Paul, writing to the church of Corinth, says, no temptation has taken you, but what, such as is common to man, right? means that what you're going through is what everybody else is going through too. And he says he'll always make a way for you to escape. And part of that promise is that he never allows us to be tempted beyond what we're able to resist. There's seven of them. Come on. Number five, wounded when the hurts of my past are in my present. Wounded when the hurts of my past are in my present. Philippians 3.13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, 
This is talking about this idea, right, of, 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 of being the person completely that Christ wants of me. Paul understood. I'm supposed to make progress, but I'm never going to get there. But I focus on this one thing. Listen to what he says. Forgetting the past, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. The power to forget the past is an amazing thing. And it's not just, it's not just forgetting the things that you've done that you're ashamed of and embarrassed about. It's also about this idea of leaving behind what other people have done to you. Because if you've lived any amount of life, you've been hurt. You've been betrayed. You've been wounded. And some of you in severe ways, in severe ways. But at some point in your life, you have to say, I don't want the hurts of my past to live with me anymore in my present. God's not going to take away the memory of what happened. That's, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. He's not going to uh, erase your mind, right? Like the, those movies, that, was it Men in Black, right? Where they had the little wand and they hold it in front and it flashes and you don't remember anything. Like, like we want God to do that. Just, just flash that thing in front of me. He doesn't want to flash that thing in front of you because this is how our heart learns to forgive is by not forgetting. He doesn't want us to forget so that we for, when we remember, we forgive all over again and that's how our heart begins to heal. But the pain of what was should not be so present in my life today. It's a great measure to whether or not you've healed. Maybe sometimes as a pastor, I'll talk with people and they're, I don't know them and they're telling me a story and I see the pain that they're, they're sharing. And I'm thinking, right, this happened. This must have just happened like two days ago. And then you find out it happened 10 years ago. And you realize the pain of that thing is, is still too present in their life. There's a healing that needs to happen. And if, you're, and, it, and, and if you're not willing to let your heart move forward, which requires forgiveness of those people, then you're going to be stuck. We, we call these things virtue blockers because that's exactly what happens. You, you will be, you'll spin your wheels in your journey of transformation if you're not willing to deal with these things in your life. Number six is being scripted being scripted. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. One translation renders it, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. There's a lot of ways that change happens in our life. You tracking with me? And this is one of them. We have to change the way we think then you will learn to know God's will for you, His good and pleasing and perfect will. I call it the gap will because one translation calls it the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But the, the hinge moment in there, Paul, Paul says, is you've got you to change the way that you think. We, we call this being scripted. There, there are scripts that are operating in your life and in my life, right? Oscars are, 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 were announced or the people that were being, are being nominated for Oscars and a lot of those people are on that list because they're gifted at following a script, right? They're, they're actors that have been given a script, and they can make that script come alive. They're great at following a script. They're great at receiving direction. For, for some of you, 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 you deserve an Oscar for the life that you're living because you've become an expert at living off of scripts that other people have put into your life from your past. And this is a little bit different from hurts and a little bit different from wounds, is that there is a marriage script that is operating in your life based on what you did or did not observe in your marriage growing up, your parents' marriage, or, or if there wasn't one. 
You have a parenting script, you with me, that's operating in your life. That parenting script is written by how you were parented and how you observed or maybe didn't observe parents or people parenting you. And I can keep going on and on and on and on with that list, right? The only way scripts change in our lives is if we allow Scripture to overwrite those scripts. And that's what Paul was trying to communicate here in Romans when he says, don't conform any more to the patterns of this world. He's saying the scripts that have been written in you, and even in innocence as a child, you didn't have any, any say over those scripts that were being given to you. But now that you're an adult, now that you're responsible, now that I would say even you're a teenager, right? You, you have a responsibility to say, what scripts do I want written in my life that are controlling my behaviors and my responses and my actions? I want it to be scripture. I want it to be scripture. The last one is this, it's being oppressed. So we did fallowed, unlearned, personality, self-directed, wounded, scripted, and oppressed, and oppressed. 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. There are many false prophets in the world. Come on, it was true 2,000 years ago. It's true today. We say that about our church. Don't don't take our word for it. Listen to these sermons. Listen to these podcasts. But you got to get your own own Bible out and and see if what we're saying is found in there. you got to do your part. And and this idea of being oppressed, I'm using this in in a broad sense, is that some of us live an oppressed life because we are a poor gatekeeper of the influences that we allow to be spoken into our lives. You've got to become a gatekeeper for your life. And if you're a parent, I hope you're becoming a gatekeeper for your children's lives. Guarding the influence that you allow to begin to come into into their life. I know that we can't be with our kids all day, every day, but there is a lot we can do as parents. That's another sermon for another time. But we better be gatekeepers. It better be hard for outside influence to begin to shape our child's heart. That's called parenting. That's our job. But you've got to parent yourself. You've got to be a gatekeeper of your own heart. Who are the people that, that you go to when you're having a problem? What do you indulge in when you're feeling sorry for yourself? Who, what, what, what do you read? What activities do you do? What music do you listen to? What books are you picking up? right? I'm not talking about this idea of, of becoming, right, Amish or, or, or living a, a, a cloistered life. And, a, and if they're following the convictions of their heart, I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying that's not our calling. You with me? I'm not advocating that you've got to withdraw from everything in this world in order to be a gatekeeper. But you've got to decide, come on, have you connected the dots between attitudes and behaviors that you have might be connected to some of these influences that you keep allowing into your life? That's part of what, what John is saying here in this, in this the letter. You, you've got to be responsible for who you're letting speak into your life, especially when you're feeling sorry for yourself, because those influences will begin to shape your heart and begin to shape your life. You invite the worship team to come back up. So I did a prayer drive on Friday. 
I do prayer drives every, every now and again. I've, I've been doing them especially uh, through the, uh, across the 17 Bridge and, and down in the Suffolk and Carrollton area because of the, the campus that's, that's planting over there. And uh, we're, we're excited about that. I've, I've shared this story some before that, that back in the summer of 2007 when we first moved here, we, we had not moved here yet. There was a family whose child was, had been born and was in crisis. And so I left. We were living in Mechanicsville at the time and, and drove late that night to get down to the hospital to see them and to pray for that child. It was the first time I'd ever met the family. And, and I was coming back. It was in the early morning hours, and I didn't know where I was. I, I knew I was on Route 17, but I, I wasn't familiar with the area. And, uh, and God spoke to me and said, City Life is going to be here. And I had no idea what that meant. I, and and it, was, it was right after I drove, I had stopped for, for gas. There was a, the, the Exxon that's right there on Route 17 was open. It was, it was open crazy late. And, uh, and so it was driving away from there. And every time I drive by that place, I, I say, God, I remember. You, you, you spoke here. The, the, the campus that started tonight was because of that conversation. So I like to go on these prayer drives that God speaks to me. And so, so on, on Friday, I, I, I got hopped in my car on Friday and, and, uh, and, and went across the 17 Bridge and, and I, I swung around uh, 664 and then picked up 64. And, and, uh, and, and so I'm praying, I'm praying about where I want to go and I'm, I'm, just, I'm praying for this region, just praying for the region, praying for the area. Worship music's on. I'm just praying. And, 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 uh, and, and I remember, the, the, the I think it's called the Jordan Bridge. I'd never been over that bridge before. It is crazy. High. Anybody been across the Jordan Bridge? Like, it's crazy high up in the air. And there's a walking path. I'm like, who wanted that? Right? And when I went across it, right, I'm, I'm like almost thinking I'm dizzy just from being up this high in the car, which probably isn't a good thing. And, and, and there was a lady jogging across it. I was like, oh, you go, sister. Yeah. So I come across that, come across that, that bridge. And uh, just sharing a couple of things here. And, and the first revelation I had is that there is still at least one golden skillet in the world. I was like, praise the Lord, right? Because that was the best fried chicken in the world when I was growing up. But I didn't even know they still existed. I'm on this back road down. I don't even know where I was. I think it was in Deep Creek somewhere. And, uh, and so, and, and, and as I drove by, it's this little tiny building. I want to say they even have one of those old school cigarette machines in the front, right? Where you pull the handle, right? Not that I know how that works, but you pull the handle. And so I'm on this prayer drive. And so, you know, I'm just laughing about that. I was Instagramming about that. And it wasn't too long after that, that this is what God spoke to my heart. He said, Fred, your success is going to be found in the faithfulness of your calling. Your success in ministry is going to be found in the faithfulness of your calling. And I'm sharing that with you because this is what the heart of the Magi is about. We cannot be successful in what God has called us to do until we begin to experience some success in who he's called us to be, who he's called us to be. God was just encouraging my heart in the busyness of the season that we're in with these campuses launching that is for me personally, I can't forget who I'm supposed to be. You can't forget who you're supposed to be because what you're supposed to do is desperately dependent on the person you become. It was on that same prayer drive I got a I got a, a, a text from, from, uh, from Nate Nwani, one of the elders here. He's part of the Southside team. He said, have you checked your Facebook? Which is usually not a good thing, right? As a pastor, when someone messages you that. So I pulled over into a, a parking lot so I could check my phone. And, and, uh, and so I pulled over and, and there on my page was a message from my good friend and pastor, Pastor Freddie Villarreal, the pastor of Freedom Life Church. See, because part of the good news series that we're going to launch in January, every one of those services for those three months, we're going to create a moment for people 
to make a decision to make a vow of devotion to Christ. I made that vow of devotion when I was 23 years old, and it, it changed my life. We want people to have an opportunity to make those decisions. And something we've never been able to do because of the building we're in, we've never been able to do water baptisms as part of our service. You tracking? And so, so somebody heard me talking about that uh, about a month or so ago in a podcast and said, friend, I want to give money to buy that portable baptistry, and I want to challenge some other families to do it. And so I put that out on Facebook, and we've raised a few hundred dollars. It costs about 2600 bucks. And so Jen, Freddie's wife, saw that post that I put out this week, called him, and said, we, we need to do something for City Life. So he called his elders, and a few minutes later, right, $1,500 they're giving. Come on. One church to another church. I know. It's so good. So I called Freddie, right? I called Freddie, and I and, said, man, this is amazing. Amazing that you would do this, do this for us. I, I'm sharing that with you because I'm just telling you, if you will make yourself available to God, he will begin to speak to you. He'll begin to speak to you. It might not be like what I'm doing right now. I've never heard his voice, but I feel his voice. He wants you to feel his voice. You got to go for some walks by yourself. You got to go for a drive by yourself, right? You got to maybe get up a little bit earlier or stay up a little bit later. You, you've got you've to posture yourself and to position yourself in a way where you can just, this is one of the reasons why I do prayer drives because I, I'm just in that moment. I'm completely disconnected from everything in my world. It just, it stills my heart. You got to do that because God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you about this journey that you're on, about becoming a different person because your destiny depends upon it. Stand with me as we sing. Father, in, in this, this moment tonight, Father, in our service, I know we've covered a lot of ground together. But in the end, it all really comes back to one thing. And that's a heart that yields to you. Everything that we've talked about tonight, that's, that's what it's about. It's us saying in our heart, Father, have your way with me. Have your way with me. God, it's, it's us saying to you tonight, the only answer we want to ever have to you is yes. It's just yes. We want our hearts to be abandoned in a place of surrender. In Jesus' name, come on, let's sing together.